Have you guys learned this yet in life? That the right question always brings clarity and the right answer always teaches us a life lesson. So, so I have a question for you. <laughs> did, did Pastor Jason just baptize himself? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean did, did I miss that? <laughs> Ego, damn, man. <laughs> So the right question always brings clarity, and the right answer always, the answer is yes. <laughs> and the right, uh, <laughs> and the right uh, answer always brings a life lesson. The lesson is we need to get Pastor Jason some arm floaties. I, I mean, <laughs> we, we need to get that brother a little pool stool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been a pastor a long time. I've never seen anybody baptize themselves on top of somebody. That was fan, fantastic, man. <laughs> Whew. Uh, I got to reel it in, man. I, <laughs> that was great. I can't wait to dog him about that. Man. <laughs> so the right question always brings clarity. The right answer always teaches us a lesson. Uh, and, and you guys get this, right? The most important questions are the questions we ask ourselves. Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Do I matter? And where we look for answers to these basic life questions will determine the course of our life. The right answer always brings clarity. The, the right question always brings clarity. The right answer always teaches us a life lesson. You, you know, you see this all through the Psalms. So, Psalm 1, I was just reading a couple Psalms now, just the other day, and I thought, wow, look at that, man. There's a question, and there's a, a life lesson. Psalm 30, verse 3 says, here's the question. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O oh Lord, could ever survive? I mean, fantastic question. Here's the lesson. But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. Psalm 121, verse 1. Here's a great question. I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Man, that is a great question. Where does my help come from? Lesson, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let me stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber indeed. He who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Wow. Great questions. Great life lessons. So today, uh, we're going to study Psalm 19. And in Psalm 19, we will ask ourselves four questions, and we will learn four life lessons uh, that really determine the course of our lives. 
so four questions and four life lessons that drivers life. Here's, here's the first question. Where did I come from? It's a great question. It's the most basic question we can ask. And you get this, right? Science can't answer that question. Science can teach us human reproduction and show us in great detail the chemical complexities of our bodies on a subcellular level. Science can show us in great detail the furthest reaches of distant galaxies and the mind-boggling expanse of the universe. It was science that calculated that light travels 186,000 miles every second. We had to discover through science the speed of light in order to really calculate the mind-boggling expanse of the universe. But science didn't create the light. Science can only measure its speed. It was God who said, let there be light. And there was light. Science can't show us the mind of God who created, created in all the tiniest intricacies the details of a human body. Science can't show us the power of the Word of God who spoke everything into existence. Science can't show us the heart of God who did all of that simply because he loves us and he wants to show us his glory. The Bible simply says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, and the word create means something from nothing. There was nothing and God created. Only God creates. Science simply discovers and reorganizes sometimes what God has already created. And here's what I love about the Psalms. You know, Genesis 1-1 gives us the fact. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything above us, everything below us, God created it. But David, in the Psalms, tells us the story. Like a poet or an artist who shows us the wonder and majesty of the creator God and his creation. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The, the skies display his craftsmanship. Isn't that great? The heavens declare the glory of God. And when you see those photos of distant galaxies and, and how awe-striking it is, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. And it's not just what's out there. When you see a sunrise, when you go to the mountains in the fall and as far as you can see, as many colors as you can count, like an artist took a, took a paintbrush and just... The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night 
after night they make him known. They speak without sound or word. Their voice is never heard. I mean, you get this, right? Some things speak so loudly they don't need sound. Verse 4, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run a race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The vastness of God's creation just leaves us speechless. But not only the vastness, but, but the very details. I mean, you know there are 35,000 species of spiders? Man, it seems like every one of them try to get on me too, man. <laughs> 35,000 species of spiders, wow. Then 350,000 species of beetles. What? And I thought they were just four. Paul, George, Ringo, <laughs> and John. So, so here is a lesson to learn. You know, the question, where I come from, the lesson, I, I have value because God created me. I mean, you get that, right? You're not some random accident. You're not simply the result of some chemical collision. You are a creation of God. You were born in the mind of God. You were created by the power of God. You are loved in the heart of God. You matter. Second question. What is my truth source? This is a... Mm, this is a really big deal. You know, all kinds of people believe all kinds of different things, and they all claim that they are true. I, I always want to know when people say, I believe this, and they seem absolutely convinced, I always want to know, why do you claim that that's true? What, what is your truth source? You know, as Christians, we should always be able to give an answer to that question. What is the source of our truth claim? As Christians, our truth source is the Bible. And Psalm 19 begins by describing what we call general revelation. God revealing himself in a general way through his creation. That's why Romans 1.20 says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made, and they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. I mean, we have that general kind of revelation through God's creation. Somebody made this. But now in Psalm 19... David shows what we call special revelation, how God reveals to us specifics about himself through 
his written word. The heavens declare the glory of God. Man, it, somebody made that. That is so clear. But the Bible teaches us how to know him and how to live for him. Psalm 19, verse 7. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. So there's going to be several different describers for the, uh, for the Bible. The instruction of the Lord, um, the decrees of the Lord, the commandments. That we're going to see a lot of these in this next section of Psalm 19. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. Man, I'll tell you what, I can't count the number of times that's happened in my life where I've been down, doobie-doo, down, down. And get alone with God and open his word. And God just speaks and encourages me and helps me and guides me. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. They, they revive our soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Now, you may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm telling you what. If you know God's word and obey it, you're going to look like you're pretty wise. I promise you. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. Man, that is so true. I mean, when you just understand what God commands us to do and you do it and God's pleasure falls on you, as an obedient child. Man, I'm just telling you, that does something in you. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. You know, the Bible's not some theoretical, way off, kind of philosophical book. It's very practical. Verse 9 Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. And I want to stop right there a second because I want to chase a little rabbit here. Uh, um, where it says, uh, reverence for the Lord is pure, it's not the best translation, that word reverence. Um, I think it should be translated uh, fear. Um, I think the fear of the Lord is something that people used to talk about a lot that we don't talk about so much. We used to describe people like that. He's a God-fearing man. And everybody understood what that meant. Um, reverence is better understood fear um, because reverence is uh, what you feel at a funeral, right? Um, when you walk into the National Archives in Washington, D.C., you feel reverence. Fear, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean, oh, I'm afraid of God. The fear of the Lord means that I understand the whole weight of who God is landing on me. I, I get it. I mean, that's why Hebrews 10, 31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. But it's more than that. It's not that I just understand the full weight of who God is and his wrath. It's that I understand the full weight of who God is, and he loves me. But I don't lose who God is. 
You know, the phrase, the fear of the Lord, appears over a thousand times in the Bible. Mm. It's a sense of, if God wanted to, he could squash me like a bug. But he doesn't because he loves me. And my response to that is, in awe, in awesome fear, but love. You, you only can get that with God. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom, and who, uh, all who obey his commands will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Psalm 33, 18, but the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. I, I just feel like the world and often the church has lost its fear of God. And we need to make sure we grab a hold of that, that God's still God. He's not our bumper sticker buddy. But the God who is all of that loves me, died for me, and wants to be my friend. Mm. All right, back to Psalm 19, verse 9. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true each one is fair. You know, the whole world seems like it's looking for justice. You get this, right? God's the only place you'll ever find justice because God is the only just God. No judge can be entirely just. No law is entirely just. You only get that from God. Verse 10. <clears throat> they are more desirable than gold, and even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the cone. Now, now you got to understand, when David wrote this, honey was really the only source of sweetness. And it was pretty hard to get, man. <laughs> you, you had to go to war with a few hundred bees, man, to get a little honey. I, I mean, and you could imagine... When you got some, it was a very rare thing. Just imagine, the only time you could get something sweet is if you found a beehive, a bunny, hunt, not a bunny cone, but a, <laughs> a honeycomb, and you risk going in there to get it, it, it was hard to get. And you can imagine if you never had anything sweet in your life, and then you got some honey. You're like, whoa. And your taste buds are exploding. I mean, we get that all the time because we have things like that at our disposal. Man, that wasn't true then. So the, all these things about God's Word are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the cone. But now look at verse 11. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who 
obey them. You know, the Word of God proclaims our doom if we reject it and our great reward if we obey it. And it tells, it answers the question, where do we come from? You matter. Here's the second lesson. I have direction because the Bible guides me. So when we say, what is my truth source? Man, we have a very clear answer for that. It's the Bible because we believe this is from God through the prophets and the apostles that he gave us exactly what he wanted us to have without any error. And I have direction because the Bible guides me. You get that, right? I mean, God didn't, God didn't give us the Bible to give us more information. God gave us the Bible to change our lives. Hebrew 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the, uh, than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. Man, I have experienced that a lot. Man, when you get the Word of God out, it's like a two-edged sword. And man, it cuts down where no surgeon's knife can go, down to the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Why'd you really do that? What was your real motivation for that? Why do you want people to think that about you? That's what we get from the Scripture. Mm. All right, here's the third question. What's wrong with the world? Ugh. Boy, if there's ever been a time that that's been a loaded question, it is 2023. What's wrong with the world? You ever just look around and go, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with this world? It is broken. Huh. Now, I know people who would say, what's wrong with the world are the Democrats. I know people, no, who would say, no, it's the Republicans. I know people would say, the thing that's wrong with this world is America. America, what's wrong, what's wrong with this world? We have people in America who believe that nonsense all the time. I know people who say, here's what's wrong with the world. There's not enough stuff. <laughs> if everybody just had everything they wanted, the world would be a happy place. Boy, what a trap that is, right? I mean, man, we, <laughs> when you start thinking, if I just had more stuff, I'd be happy, you're going to be like the guy who, who uh, got a brand new BMW, man, and he was checking that thing out on some curvy roads, and man, the handling was unbelievable, and he's going faster and faster, and he just can't believe the suspension and the power, and man, he didn't quite make a curve, boom, tumbled up, I mean, and a guy behind him said, oh my goodness, I got to go down, and he goes down there, and the guy in the wreck had cut his arm off. And the guy's, man, are you okay? Are you? He, said, he said, man, look at your arm. Your arm's gone. And he went, oh, my Rolex, my Rolex. <laughs> Guys, stuff will never do it, right? Have you learned this, man? The Bible says to use stuff and love people, but we're really good. Human nature says love stuff and use people. That won't do it. You know what's wrong with this world? Sin's what's wrong with this world. 
Sin is what broke this world. (laughs) And if it were not for God's grace, sin would utterly destroy this world. I don't know if you saw this, but this past week, Elon Musk and a thousand other, you know, heady, techie guys wrote a letter asking the government to please stop immediately, push the pause button on the use of AI technology, artificial intelligence. Because if we don't stop it, it's going to get to a place where it understands it's smarter than us. And the result would be the elimination of human race. I don't know I really understand that. I'm just saying that's what they wrote a letter about. I'm not sure. I, I mean, what does that even mean? Is Arnold Schwarzenegger going to get in a time machine and come back and kill us all? I mean, I don't even understand what that means. But those really heady guys are concerned about it. Huh. I'm not too worried about it. You know why? Because the Bible says technology is not going to destroy this world. He is. God's going to destroy it, and then he's going to create a new perfect one. So honestly, man, (laughs) if you think too long about everything that's wrong with this world, if you read too many articles, watch too many podcasts, man, you'll want to jump off the roof. I love the words of A.W. Tozer. They're so important right now. He said, while it looks like things are out of control behind the scenes, there is a God who has not surrendered his authority. What's wrong with this world? Sin. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone is sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Romans 1.25 said, they traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Now, back to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 12. Look, at, look what it says. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. So, so David knew that if I can get a hold on my deliberate sins, the sins are premeditated. I know I shouldn't do that. I'm going to do it. That will keep me from great sin. You, you know how that works? Man, Here's God. When, I, when I'm close to God, man, I'm walking with God, man. I'm in his word. I'm with good fellowship with all my brothers and sisters, and life just works, man. And then one day you just think, eh, I, I'm, I'm going to do that. And you just take one step away from God. And you know what happens? Nothing. Lightning doesn't strike you. The earth doesn't swallow you up. So you go, well, okay. See what you do? You know what happens? Nothing. Lightning doesn't strike you. The earth doesn't swallow you up. 
Might as well. But now here's what happens. You'll do things three steps away from God that you'll never do one step away from God. And what you do here will lead you to great sin. And you'll find yourself in a place going, how did I ever get here? My life's destroyed. We must not lose sight of the truth. That sin's what's wrong with this world and sin's what's wrong with my life. See, when we start believing we can find the answer ourselves, we have stopped believing sin is the problem. But when we understand sin's the problem, we also understand the only answer for sin is the blood of Jesus. That's where we go. Here's the third lesson that we learn. I have issues because of sin that controls me. That's why Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 17, 9, the, the human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how really bad it is? Now, I'm just telling you, there are things in your heart that you'll do you never thought you would do without God. Stay close to God. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay, and it'll do it every time. Here's the fourth question, and we're done. Why do I exist? Great question. David ends this psalm with this incredible prayer. Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, that's a big deal. Why do I exist? To glorify God. What an incredible prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, my thoughts, be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Mm. We exist to glorify God. Based on this verse, down to what we think and what we feel and what we say. That's convicting, isn't it? Now, here's the lesson. I have purpose because God redeemed me. You know, redemption isn't simply God's grace redeeming us from the horror of eternity in hell. Redemption is God's hand redeeming you to fulfill the purpose he created you specifically to fulfill. You are not an accident. God made you with a purpose. God made you exactly the way you are with specific gifts and desires and abilities. You know when life works? You know when life really works? When I combined, here's what I'm good at, and here's what I love. When I combine those things, man, that's the sweet spot in life. You know why? Because it's God who made you and gave you those abilities. And it's God who put the desire for those things in your heart. 
God made you that way. And when you connect those things, the result is God being glorified through your life and our soul being satisfied with my life. That's why John Piper said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You ever hear anybody say, I hate my life? Yeah, you hear people say that. Here's what I know about them. They are blind to who they are in Jesus and who cre he created them to be. So there's no satisfaction. There's no joy. I, I love this verse in Acts 13, verse 36. It's a verse about David. For after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors. After David fulfilled God's purpose for him, man, he's ready to go. Hmm. How about your life? Are you asking the right questions? Because you'll never get clarity until you ask the right questions. You know, it's the difference between this, these kind of questions. God, why are you doing this? God, why don't you give me that? God, why don't you think, do this thing for me? God, well, how come you won't get me out of this mess? Or asking these questions. God, what can I learn through this? How can I know you better through this? When you ask the right questions, you get clarity. And there are no right answers apart from God. <laughs> I tell you, it always amazes me that God's people, God's people, seek answers from every moron with an opinion and ignore the timeless wisdom of the ancient of days. Are you learning the right lessons? You see, God wants to teach us lessons so we can benefit from his blessings when we glorify his name. Can you do this? Can you pray David's prayer fully surrendered to him like David? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father, thank you for your great love for us, for your word that guides us through all these issues in life. And God, I pray right now that for everyone here, God, that we can pray David's prayer with a sincere heart, a heart that desires to be all you want us to be. Lord, we love you, and we're trusting you for exactly that. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. All right, let's stand and worship.